Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Crushing. I have an amazing guest on this week. Um, we are here with Molly, who is the founder and creator of Sea Maven Magazine, which is just like a multimedia magazine. They do print, they have a blog, and they're devoted to telling stories about surf and exploring um our human connection to water and i also get the sense that this mag is like really focused on flipping the script about like flipping the script on the narrative that the surf world pushes forward like you know big surf media like wsl surfline about women and surfing in general um do you want to hop in molly yeah thank you so much i'm super stoked to chat with you and thanks for the intro yeah so tell us about yourself a little bit um Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? How'd you get into surfing? Um, what sparked the idea to create Sea Maven? Yeah, so I grew up in Northern California and had kind of a rural NorCal upbringing. Mm -hmm. I did not grow up surfing. Uh, I kind of grew up running around the Redwood Forest and I went to a really smaller alternative school. There were 18 people in my graduating class. Wow. So it was pretty unique and nature was a big part of my upbringing, but no one I knew surfed at all. Um, mm -hmm. I think there aren't a whole lot of surfers around there. It's really cold and really gnarly and can be sharky and whatnot. So uh, I got into surfing through my brother who started surfing and then also some guys at the coffee shop where I was a barista in high school mm -hmm. and just instantly got really hooked, even though it was frigid and gnarly. Okay. So yeah. And then I migrated South in search of warmer waters. So once I started surfing, I, I basically had tunnel vision and that was how I made all my decisions. And so I ended up in Southern California. Uh, now I live in San Clemente and okay yeah yeah awesome okay i have a bunch of friends down there um yeah so i guess like i also started surfing on the east coast so like not as maybe not as gnarly as northern california but definitely like cold in the winters and not as pleasant as socal so i feel like i can kind of relate on that and it was like you know and then i based all my decisions like i mean like where i my decision to go to ucla is like almost entirely based on the fact that i can surf malibu like a couple times a week <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie that was a huge factor and it definitely paid off it's never led me astray mm -hmm. um, but you get snow on the beach over on the east coast so yes it's, it's extra extra yeah <laughs> i guess i guess that is true um so sea maven where where'd your idea to launch that happen in this timeline? So my freshman year of college, I was surfing a ton and mm -hmm. getting kind of exposed to more of the surf industry and the whole world around surfing and surf right. culture um, because there was less of that where I came from. Mm -hmm. So I was super interested and I wanted to participate and I wanted to write and express myself and just talk about all surfing all the time. And so I ended up doing an internship with the Inertia, which is a surf website after my right. freshman year. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, had a really great experience and met some awesome people. Um, but I didn't have very much autonomy over the types of stories that I was going to tell or the way they were edited. And the first article I published for them was an assignment. You can actually go look it up. It was a story about a loaf of bread shaped like a shark. Mm -hmm. So very stimulating um so <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful to have interned there but i i wanted to continue and get into some meteor stories okay and um so after that internship wrapped up i kind of started pitching to different publications with not a lot of success the opportunities are pretty limited mm -hmm. especially i think it, it's hard to get your voice heard if you're a woman or if you don't fit the kind of narrow uh, perspective that surfing yeah. has had for a long time, which is definitely starting to change a lot. Um, but I actually, there was kind of a tipping point. I was reading Stab one day. I don't know if you're familiar with Stab. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was into like their surf videos and some of their coverage of surfing, but obviously hated the way that they portrayed women. It's like, mm -hmm. are you talking about women surfing or are you trying to be 
playboy which one is it so right, right. it was like i was procrastinating an essay one day and i wrote them this long fiery email and the editor actually responded and he was like I, I love your sharp tongue. Like we're actually looking to bring in more diverse perspectives and diversify our magazine. And I thought, cool, that's awesome. So they invited me to pitch some stories and like mm -hmm. ask me what my rate was. This was gonna be the first time I would get paid for my writing. So I was super excited. And then they ghosted me and it was probably for the best, <laughs> but it was um, a little devastating. And I was just like, where is the professionalism? Not to mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I've written about this before, so it's out there. Oh, yeah. And that's when I realized it's time for me to take matters into my own hands. And starting a magazine can't be that hard. If they can do it, then I can do it. So that was kind of the inception. Okay. And when, what year did it launch? That was in 2018. I started the website and just kind of started blogging. And okay. Yeah, I was so amazed at how excited people were and supportive. So it really showed yeah. me that there was a need for this and a space for okay. it. Awesome. That's so rad. I love the self-directed work. I also like, yeah, like I get that vibe from Stab. Like sometimes with our stories, they like, I think they, they like, they posted a story about like a female surfer artist's like surf naked video. And I was like, okay, like, are you like trying to use her art to like get views on your platform? Like what, what is like the purpose of you like reusing this story? Like it was super whack. And yeah, like I totally, totally hear that. Um, yeah. We love grassroots women run surf magazines. Um, but before we get into today's like crushing content, I want to take a break and listen to a song. Um, this is the first one you picked for us, Molly. This is Avant Gardener by Courtney Barnett. Um, let's hear it.
Okay, you just heard Alvin Gardner by Miss Courtney Barnett. I'm back with Molly from Sea Maven Magazine. Um, so as you know, Molly, this show is called Crushing. It's about crushes as a lens for self-discovery. So this is this is my normal question. I ask everybody this who comes on the show. What is a notable crush that helped you learn more about yourself? It could be a romantic crush. It could be a celebrity crush. It could be a surfer. Um, what do you got for us? So I was reflecting a lot on this question and it wasn't the easiest question for me to answer, but I was thinking back to when I was younger mm -hmm. and it's a little bit embarrassing to admit, but I was one of those people who literally have crushes on everyone. Like all the boys, pretty much everyone I ever met. <laughs> and I think that this was in my case, a symptom of a need for validation from boys and kind of like a symptom of my own self-esteem issues growing up, which I think everyone probably goes through at some point. And what the turning point for me was when I got into surfing, because it was something for me to structure my identity around where it was like stripped down. I didn't have any of the makeup or the clothes that I would put on. It was just me and the ocean. And that was total 180 for me because I felt so secure in who I was. And um, that's someone who loves adventure and loves to be in the ocean and loves to challenge myself. And when I got to college and met my now boyfriend of five years, those were the things that he saw in me that he fell in love with. So he always says that uh, in the dining hall on Taco Tuesday, when I was just going ham on some tacos, I'm not known for my table manners. <laughs> he said that's when he knew that I was the girl for him. So ultimately, my ultimate crush saw me for who I really was. Ah, so to find your ultimate crush, you need to first fall in love with yourself and the things you love Absolutely. isn't that what everybody says um it's true <laughs> it's true you think it's true I love that um so yeah I love I love what you said about surfing as a learning tool because it's so cliche right like we hear this all the time like the ocean is like this great teacher and like surfing teaches women to be confident like we need to get more people in the water like I feel like that's like a big narrative at least like in the grassroots women surf world which we both kind of happen to be a part of um but you know i think that like it's cliche for a reason like it's true like i i can say the same thing like i feel like i surfing is one of those things that like you can do forever but every time you do it it's humbling in a way that you literally never expected and i think that you know i think the ocean has taught me like a lot of resilience like like being able to like persevere through situations that scare me or like, um, I don't know, just like kind of feeling like, oh, like actually like I can't control the ocean. Like it's this like really big entity and like I'm really small and I just have to be flexible. And I feel like, you know, like learning from that is, like, has been huge for me. So I can relate, like we love, <laughs> you know? It's a, it's a lens for life. And that's mm -hmm. part of the reason why we have surf magazines and why so many people feel the need to express themselves through surfing and Absolutely. it's just infinite. Yeah. So do you like, do you, when you talk about like what you learned from surfing, like, ooh, like, do you have specific attributes that you feel like came from surfing in your life or just like spending time in the water, spending time in nature? Like, what do you think those things were like looking back on your childhood? Yeah, I think that, well, it met me where I was in that I think I was kind of destined to spend time in the ocean. And so it amplified the attributes that I loved about myself. Right. I think it made me a lot tougher, a lot more willing to leave my comfort zone and push boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just given me a guiding principle for my life, really. I mentioned before how I follow surfing everywhere and it just leads me in the right direction. So that helps me be more relaxed because if I am pursuing surfing all the time, then I know things will kind of be okay. So it's taught me mindfulness and to be tougher and more resilient. 
Right. Yeah. And I think I think that's really interesting because it's kind of the opposite about what you said, you know, like having crushes as a as a young child where you were looking for other people's outside validation. But instead with surfing, like you're just looking to pursue something that you feel drawn to. And so like that's kind of the opposite. Right. Because you're like looking to yourself for like what you want to do and like where your passion lies, as opposed to looking to other people. Um, yes. And it, it always reminds me of that. It will serve me a reminder just when I need it. So sometimes I, I think I'll get kind of an ego about it and I'll be out there wanting to get the best waves and show off. And when I get into that headspace, it will smack me down and humble me. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it constantly brings me back to that idea that I don't need outside approval to know that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely interesting. And then like in turn, right? Like once you were changing your, I guess like modus operandi, right? Like MO, um, like of your life, like then you found somebody who is like your romantic interest that you've been seeing for five years. Why? Like probably because you're following yourself and just like doing you and like what you love to do as opposed to like seeking it out. And like, this is like a really cliche narrative that we like hear about in dating all the time is like, oh, like you just need to focus on yourself and then they're just gonna come along. But like based on the people that I've talked to in the show who are like in committed relationships, like that definitely seems to be the narrative. Um, so I, I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, and I would say that it's, it's true not only for romantic love, but also for other important people in your life. So mm -hmm. um, I, for a long time, I was a little bit of a lone wolf and didn't have a lot of close friends. And that actually kind of came with surfing because like I mentioned, no one at my school really surfed. And so I was kind of on my own in this new world. And eventually that brought so many people into my life, friends and also mentors, people that I really connect with. Right. So um, by doing the thing that you love, it's gonna just expand your world in positive ways, whether it's a romantic relationship or not. Right. And then it's like also like if you're being your most authentic self, you're not going to draw in everybody, but you're going to draw in people who are attracted to your most authentic self and like share similar interests as you. So, yeah, like I agree. I think that's, I mean, a really astute observation. Um, okay, let's take another break and listen to some music. This is Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine. Hell yeah, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Just 
do what they told you. Now you do what they told you. Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine. Molly, tell us about that one. Like, <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so that is a protest song against police brutality. And I think it's a really, really powerful dissent song. So it just really gets me going. It's what I listened to on the way to work when I was interning at the public defender service and kind of witnessing how the system works against mm-hmm. people of color and black people in particular. And I just think it's a powerful song, but that energy just really gets me going, whatever I'm doing. So I love rock and roll. Absolutely. That's great. I love that. Um, so we talked about surfing as like this big crush in your life, right? Like you followed surfing everywhere essentially. And so that means that you've definitely spent a lot of time in the lineup. Um, you're a woman. Um, <laughs> like what's, what's your experience been like in the lineup? Like how is the lineup gendered? Um, you know, like, what do you, what do you think it means to be a woman who surfs in 2022? What do you think it meant to be a woman who surfed like, when you started like several years ago, have you seen change? Um, Yeah. So this, I think varies so much all over the world, which is really interesting. So in Northern California, I don't think I ever saw a woman surfing just because Mm -hmm. the breaks that I was surfing were pretty obscure. And I know there's women up there that surf, but um, yeah, I didn't even really encounter other women in surfing until I came to Southern California. And even here, I mostly shortboard. So a lot of the times the break is super heavily male dominated. And I've had some not so positive experiences at times with, I think, people underestimating my ability, which is really frustrating. Like they'll drop in on me because they assume that I'm not going to make it or they'll start giving me unwarranted surfing advice. One time I was at Huntington Beach and this, this creepy old guy was like, when you paddle, you have to lead with your boobs. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you, don't, yeah. you have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. So it, it gets, it can get weird. Um, but I'm always really excited to see women in the water, even though, uh, I heard you talking about on another episode, how it can have some, sometimes kind of a competitive vibe. And it definitely, if a woman drops in on me, I get even angrier just because I feel like we should be supporting each other. But 
I get really excited and I try to go out of my way. I'm usually really pretty shy in the water and I don't talk to people, but if I see a a woman, I try to like smile. And Mm -hmm. like the other day at uppers, there was another girl out there and she was cheering me on and that just felt so good. So more of that. Totally. You know how, um, like if you're at a party and there's another woman there and like, you want to show that you're an ally, you'll be like, yo, (laughs) I like, like, Hey, like, I like your shirt. Like, or like, like, like you look cute. And I feel like, you know, there's definitely a way to do that in the lineup. Like, Oh my God. Like, I love your board. Like, Yeah. I I've done that before that my friend who I served with this morning, I literally said, I love your board and we're good friends now. So yeah. Talk to people in the water. Uh, No, I think it's, I think it's so important. And like, I, and like that can, you know, that competitive thing is honestly really interesting. And I think it's just like, I mean, it's like a divide and rule issue. It's like women being pitted against women in the lineup because there's like a, a fewer number of them. And so like, that's like a way for um, I mean, like the patriarchy that of course persists in surfing to like continue to like marginalize women, women, um, by like yes. making them feel that they have to compete with each other to like be the best woman surfer. Or, like they have to compete for the approval of the men in the lineup or like yes. they have to compete to like, like who looks the best when they're surfing, like who's the cutest. <laughs> um, yeah. Like there can only be one girl here who rips, which is so right. Sad. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. So I think like, I like sometimes I'm like recently I've been brainstorming like, Oh, like what's a way that like, like I feel the same way. Like I like, like can tend to self-isolate when I'm surfing and just zone out. But now I'm like, okay, like I need to be like friendly and show that like, no, like I am supporting you. Like I, I'm like all about other women, like doing their thing. And so, yeah, I definitely tend to have resting bitch face in the water mm-hmm. and that's something I'm trying to work on. Uh, I get really distracted when I talk to people, but you can yeah. just say hello and have a warm, open vibe. Right. Um, yeah. It's something I'm working yeah, on. Yeah. Just like <laughs> smiling, saying hello. Cause I also get distracted. Like I cannot talk and serve at the same time. No. like either I'm taking a break and I'm sitting in the lineup and I'm chatting or it's like, I'm completely focusing. Cause I'm all, I like need to like paddle to like position myself to being ready to catch a wave like there's a lot of focus that goes into it um so I get into like that flow headspace and then I like forget about other people but I'm also like wait no like I need to be friendly yeah Uh, it makes the social dynamics interesting because when you're outside the water and you meet someone else who surfs it's like really exciting because you feel like you're part of the same team and community and you have something in common and then in the water it's like oh gosh another surfer like get out of my space. So yeah, yeah, that's actually really true. It's like, oh, like, like, we're you're like this, like sub counterculture, whenever you're like in a normal sea of like, a sea of normal people. <laughs> um, but then yeah. like, when you're in the lineup, you guys are kind of like automatically competing because like, like, yes. the w- waves are like, really yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I try to I just am accepting it because I I'm serving trestles all the time. Like I'm never going to really escape crowds. So we have to work together and we can't stop more people. I want more people to surf and to experience Mm -hmm. all the joys of surfing. And so, um, it's some cognitive dissonance if you're getting really pissed and upset. Right. right. It's like the ocean is for everybody, but also surfer surfers are pretty inherently gatekeepy too. And like some, I mean, like sometimes that is to a detrimental extent where like you have like really fervent localism that is like not coming from a good place. Um, and it's just trying to like push people out. So. Yeah. And I think that hurts, uh, like women and people of color the most. Who are, yeah. So I I'm not about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. You had another song for us, uh, Venice Venture by Big Wild. Uh, do you want to introduce it a little bit? Yeah, so this song doesn't have any lyrics. It's just kind of a vibey, psychedelic song. And I like that because you can kind of impose whatever meaning you want onto it. And yeah, for me, this is just kind of an adventure tune. So let's get okay, into it. Cool. An adventure tune. I love that. Let's hear it. <laughs> Thank you. 
you just heard Venice Venture by Big Wild. Thanks, Molly, for sharing that one. It's super cool. Like, I love it. It is such an adventure yeah. song. <laughs> you got the ocean sounds in there. It's a vibe. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said about, like, women of people and people of color and, like, I mean, people who don't have money being kept from surfing. Um, I think, like, perhaps this is something that, like, I don't know, like, in the mainstream media, like, surf media doesn't really get talked about enough. I think, like, we, a lot of it is, like, a lot of, sometimes I find that people talk about surfing without acknowledging that surfing is actually, like, this insane privilege, right? Because if you think about it, like, it's incredibly costly, and also it is pretty predicated on, the on like, by, like, living adjacent to the water, like, you know, you have to pay money to have a surfboard. You need to, like, there's, like, the cost of transportation that gets into that. Um, and then there's also just, like, the privilege of, like, being able to, like, learn how to do the things. Like, like learning how to surf. I mean, like, not, most people don't even know how to swim. Um, so, like, how do you, I don't know, how do you reconcile that narrative um, in Sea Maven and the work that you do? And then also, you know, what do you want for the future of, like marginalized communities in surfing. Yeah, I actually saw an article the other day in one of the mainstream surf media publications that was like, gentrification is starting to push people out of surfing. And it's like, really? Sorry, <laughs> like, <thank you. laughs> yeah, um, well, it's taking place in colonized lands to begin with, but mm -hmm. um, it's always been the wealthy few that have access to the waves for right. the most part, at least here in California and the US. Um, so I get really excited about organizations that are bringing people into the water and I try to do whatever I can to support them. So whether that's in bringing people into professional surfing and trying to train athletes that we have more countries and nationalities represented um, in professional surfing or just people getting kids out to the water. So um, one of the articles we have in our first print edition is about Courage Camps and Latinx Surf Club. And the three founders are so amazing. And they talk about how, like growing up in East Los Angeles, they're close to the ocean. But like you said, a lot of them might not even know how to swim or they don't feel like the beach is a space for them. So they give free surf lessons to kids and yeah, just introduce them to the water. So I think it's important to remember, um, well, first of all, support organizations like that and mm -hmm. help uplift them and donate and right here. But also if you see someone who doesn't look like they know what they're doing, like you might not want to just label them a kook out of the gates, like try to be welcoming, try to give them a piece of advice right. in a friendly way, not in a condescending right. way about where to sit. And yep. yeah. And I think like, I mean, like just like speaking, like in terms of LA, for example, right? Like at Topanga, you've got like the lifeguard stand and like there are all these like suit, there's like really heavy localism there. And like there are rules about where, you know, if you can't really surf where you should sit, but people who are just visiting that beach for the first time have no idea what's going on. They don't know the history of the beach and like- Yeah, that happens here. here. And so like, it's kind of like, oh, like if I know this information, I should just be like, hey, like, I think like, you know, like this is what's up. like. The got those guys over there like they're super heavy locals they're pretty aggro but like if you do want to surf like you should just kind of like hang out down here and like enter the water over there it's just like how things work here like giving people a heads up is one thing yeah. to do. i guess like i also you know just like thinking about los angeles in general like every neighborhood in la is completely different and like has like its own sort of identity and i think like i mean i i for my entire life have honestly like seen like beaches and surfing as like it is a predominantly white space like I think like that the beach in LA kind of behaves as this is a space for white people um even though Los Angeles is a really diverse city it's the people who have money who you know have those beachfront homes in Santa Monica or like um like on that Malibu PCH strip um and so yeah, like, I, I just think, like, I don't know, it, it's, like, definitely, like, kind of, like, it's very, like, it's it's kind of, like, an exclusive club um, in LA, like, having access to the beach. Yeah, and 
I think that's changing. And I have a lot of respect for people who go out there and just assert their right to be there. Absolutely. Um, And I am not friendly to any kind of idea of like a hierarchy or of somebody being more deserving of waves just because they grew up on a house on the beach. Like we see this so much in LA, especially and Malibu first point, but also Topanga, like you said, one day I rolled up to Topanga having no idea (laughs) that it was a local spot. And some guy just straight up ran me over and I yelled at him and I didn't know until after that they Mm -hmm. think like their special spot. So this is still kind of a controversial opinion, but like, I I don't believe in any kind of exclusive spots, whether it's Hollister Ranch or Lunata Bay, it's like break the gates open because the California constitution guarantees the right of all people to access all the beaches. It's a public resource. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, so like I grew up surfing Montauk and I've like literally been to a court trial there for like different surf companies like competing for who gets to have access to the beach and like trying to like because like I mean they're making money off of the space but they're essentially trying to like permit like like sanction each other for like like taking too much and like we're local like we grew up here like you can't have people learning to surf here like it's amoral but it's like what the fuck is going on like it's like super contentious shit um yeah long island you can't even park at the beach unless you have a residence there and can pay for the permit if i'm not mistaken so absolutely that is a whole other story Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i think like i mean yeah like what you said about like just like people just like going and just like asserting their right to be there is so important like who the fuck cares like get a (laughs) wave storm a boogie board like you can be there like yeah also, it's like if you are this like experienced surfer who's been surfing for their entire life, like you have like all of the capability in the world to be able to like turn and navigate your entire surfing day around people who are less experienced than you. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can get out of their way too. It's not like, oh, everybody gets out of the surfer who like is on the wave and like we don't accommodate anybody and like it's like their job to like figure it out but it's like no like if you have more information and like you do know what you're doing because of your experience like you can also accommodate other people because they're the ones learning like yeah ridiculous mutual respect like if you are a beginner and you're going into a place you should of course know your boundaries but that doesn't mean that you're not deserving of respect and even if you make a mistake and yeah I'm totally go get a boogie board and paddle out wherever maybe not in Hawaii or something like that where the exactly. but exactly. here like Malibu is not Hawaii people <laughs> I know it's, it's it's just like kind of funny because like for the most part like I'd say like Malibu and Topanga are like they're beginner like they're like beginner to intermediate waves like yeah like they're point breaks but also they're two feet and like you know, like they aren't really dangerous. The current is certainly not as bad as it ever would be like surfing, you know, Manhattan beach. Like that's way more dangerous for somebody um, who's just right. learning how to surf. Um, so yeah. it's, and it's also like kind of funny too, cause it's like a bit of a free for all there, but I'm like, well, isn't it like arguably safer for them to be here instead? Um, right. Yeah. And it's like, I also kind of feel that like, like I like, I mean like, I want to like teach my friends how to surf and like that's something that they ask me to do but then it's like i feel nervous about actually like bringing them out to malibu or topanga where i normally go out because i'm worried that i'm gonna get yelled at because people are like who are you like did you learn to surf here like like why are you bringing your friends out here and like i brought a friend of mine out to surf the other day and we were being like really low-key and of course like this like heavy local guy like approached us and was like well you know like I've been surfing here since I was a kid and like, um, I just am going to give you some pointers. Like you should enter the water all the way down there. And like, you don't want to hurt your feet and like, you should really stay away. And I'm like, one, I was like, okay, dude, like, why are you just like assuming that we literally don't know what we're doing? Like I actually surf here almost every day of the week. Like, and like, I understand how a lineup works. Like it bothered me so much, but then it's like, why do you then feel like you have to like go into your entire like family history? It's kind of just like, <laughs> I have money and I grew up here and I'm white. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I have no tolerance for that. And I don't enjoy surfing at breaks like that. But here in San Clemente, like 
at the spots where I surf all the time, I, it's kind of interesting because I've sort of gained acceptance among those crowds, but mm-hmm. I don't always like the way I see them behaving towards other people. So it's yeah. weird to be in that position of like yeah. being yeah. an outsider that is accepted in, but then just not really being on board with the whole exclusiveness. Yeah. I feel like I'm start. I'm kind of like starting to feel that way in LA because I feel like like people who are there all the time recognize my face because I'm also there all the time. So I'm kind of like getting in with the crowd there. But I feel like, I mean, at home, especially like I, well, you know, as a child, like you're just a kid and like you're a kook because you're a kid and you're inexperienced and like probably aren't making safe decisions. I definitely wasn't. <laughs> um, but now I feel like I'm like certainly in with the crowd in Montauk, but like, and like, you know, like, the way that the in crowd behaves towards other people is definitely like not something that I always want to associate myself with too. So it can be tricky to navigate like, okay, like, yeah, like I, I am now like in like the club of like, oh, like I'm a local and I surf here and like, I can do whatever I want, but like, what do I want to do with the power that I have in the lineup? And you know, yeah. Yeah. Like maybe don't burn people just because you don't recognize them. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's good to like enjoy the fruits of really knowing a break well. And I think there's a lot of gratification that comes with that, but yeah, if you see a newcomer coming in, like they don't look like they're no, they know what they're doing, still be friendly, but just Mm -hmm. help them out. Totally. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, you guys, we like, don't forget about surfing. Um, and, um, we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a break for a sec and then we're gonna we're gonna change the topic um but i really like this convo so let's hear childhood's end by pink floyd Oh, 
Uh, you just heard Childhood's End by Pink Floyd. Thanks for that one, Molly. Yeah, I was singing along and I was like, oh gosh, I hope I'm really on mute. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, so I just want to circle back to this future of surfing conversation for a sec. So we just talked about a lot of like tangible ways that we can push back against the hierarchy in the lineup, essentially like saying hi to people who seem like they're nervous or inexperienced or are women or POC and like showing that we're allies, uh, giving friendly pointers, supporting people who are just getting to the beach for the first time and they have that wave storm out there. And then I think, you know, the next level would be like doing what we're doing, like using our voices as experienced surfers to say something about this phenomenon. And I think, you know, like in the past six years or so, we've probably like, flip the script on like surfing as an institution and we're starting to see surfing in a whole new light uh i think right like talk about a vibe shift right um yeah i think um well when i started sea maven in 2018 i didn't really know about this whole movement that already existed and um magazines like see together that were out there and see which yeah and there's even more now um emotion surfs a phenomenal magazine and like so i think the script has flipped and is flipping and we're starting to see the institutions kind of take notice. And I think hopefully we'll start to see that reflected on an individual line, uh, on an individual level in the lineup even more. Right. So we're seeing a vibe shift with surfing. And like, I'm curious, and like that guy from the Atlantic, you know, he came out with that article about like a vibe shift in our culture in general. Um, and what I'm wondering is like, is there a vibe shift in dating going on? Like what's the future of love in 2022? Like, obviously, you know, you mentioned earlier in the show that you've been in a relationship for five years, but you know, based on talking to your friends, like, what do you think is going on? Like, what's up with the apps? Like, are <laughs> we, is it time for just like, just like back to in-person dating? Like, are we just going to all start drinking whole milk and like do in-person dating and like, I don't know, like only read books. Like, are we just like done with streaming services and TikTok? Like what's your hot, what's your hot <laughs> take on the future of love in 2022? Yeah. So it's uh, been a while since I was in the dating scene, but mm-hmm. just kind of based on my observations, um, I think that relationships can be found in the most unexpected ways. So I think it's important to keep an open mind. If you're having fun meeting people on dating apps, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boyfriend and I were joking about like needing a surfing dating app because that's a way to connect over common interests. Um, but I think that, yeah, you should, like I said earlier, do the thing you love and see where that leads right. you. And right. yeah. And also I think that the the world over the past couple of years has changed a lot. And I think if it's taught us anything that is that we don't have a lot of time to waste. We need to focus on important things. So like if you're seeing someone and it doesn't bring you joy, then just cut them off, baby. Like uh-huh. I'm as short. That's really a piece of advice that uh-huh. I no, I think the pandemic has definitely created that mentality. It's like if this is not serving me, like I cannot continue to do it anymore. And like I feel that I like feel that way so much about like everything I do in my life now. I'm like, do I really want to do this? No, okay, I'm not doing it. Like yeah. And and like weirdly, like that's kind of how I feel about the internships search. Like I've applied to like a few like corporate internships and like I'm like, okay, but like, this is not really what I see myself doing. Like, that's not where my heart is. And that's okay. Cause like, I don't want to waste that time. Like I have no tolerance for like spending X number of months doing something that I just like, don't really want to do. Right. Like, and the same applies to dating. Um, right. Totally. And I say this all the time on my show, but it's like, if you want to meet someone and like have a genuine connection, you literally just need to do the things that you like to do because you're going to meet someone who's also doing those things, right? Like if you like this specific coffee shop and you like surfing and you like, like going to this X bookstore, like continue to do those things because don't you want to meet people who are also interested in those things? Like don't like shrink yourself and like force yourself to do things that you don't want to do. Like that's not going to help you find a genuine connection. Yeah, talk to that person in the class that you love that had a really insightful comment uh, or like, yeah, just, I, I agree. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's wrap things up with one more song. Um, this is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> 
anything you got to say before we wrap up today's episode yeah uh just keep surfing and follow your heart and don't waste your time with internships that you don't like or jobs like make it happen live your dreams and uh read the kind of surf media that you want to read yeah and find cmav magazine on instagram and we're gonna have Mm -hmm. more print mags coming out so i'm super excited okay we will plug you um in the little info at the bottom of this episode. Uh, Thanks so much for being on, Molly. Um, This is DJ Ditch Bitch signing off. And uh, follow your dreams, guys. Like, gosh, I love that. It's beautiful. So cliche, but I love that. (laughs) Bye.